What up, people? It's Wednesday. It's May 25th. It's the day after the New York Rangers did what they needed to do last night at Madison Square Garden, even the series with the Carolina Hurricane at two. Best of three now, going back to Carolina tomorrow night. I am optimistic. I know you folks are as well. I am Guy Adami. I'm always joined by Dan Nathan. And in a few brief moments, Carter Worth of Worth Charting will also be joining us because that's what he does on Mondays and Wednesdays. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And we are powered by Open Exchange. Check them out on Twitter at Open Exchange TV. Not a lot going on here yet, Dan, although I will tell you just my opinion. We're going to get into it. Feeble is the word that comes to mind. A lot of time left in the day. Feeble is the word that comes to mind right now. Yeah, and I think you're looking ahead. We're going to get the Fed minutes here at 2 o'clock, so not long after we get done with market call here. And it really does feel like they're holding on a little bit. Again, there's nothing that's come out of any of the Fed speakers' mouths over the last couple of weeks has caused the market to rally for any sustained period of time. If you think back, we got to go... I don't know, it feels like a month or two or so here since that happened, and that was back in March. You know, one of the things that you and I have been talking a lot about on Market Call, on Fast Money, is, you know, everyone asks us, when are we going to bottom? How do we bottom? You know, like, what are some of the signs? And I think you and I have been fairly steadfast, and we've been mapping it out with some math here that the 10% consensus for earnings growth in 2022 is just too high, given everything that we know about inflation, supply chains, right? I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? A consumer that's slowing, stock market down. So here we are, Ed Yardeni, who you and I both have a lot of respect for. We think he's a great strategist here. He's starting to lower his numbers. Our main man, Q, tweeted it out this morning. I mean, he's still kind of way high. You and I would kind of agree. But that's how you were getting to your 3750 target in the S&P 500 that you've been talking about for months now, guy. You want to put, I don't know, a 10-year average PE on the S&P that's about 17 on what looks like maybe low to mid-single digits earnings growth. And that gets you to your, what, 3,600, 3,700? That's it. And look, his target estimates, he cut from 265 to 255. I would submit he's probably still about 15 or so percent too high in terms of that portion of the equation. And then, you know, I agree with this forward PE, somewhere between 15 and 17 is reasonable, I think, in this environment. And then you can start doing back-of-the-envelope math. We'll take a look at charts. But when the one thing that I love about this, so the Fed put is cup put, which yeah. you know I totally dig that. Well done by Ed. I won't use that, but I, I like what he did there. I'll say this. There is a Fed put someplace. I'm pretty convinced. I'm sure you are as well. And my sense is Carter will join us in that, that at a certain point, if the S&P were to get to a certain level on the downside, that Fed put would come alive. I just don't think we're close to it yet. My sense is, if you really wanted to look at it, if we were to get down to sort of 3250 or so, I think that's when the alarm bells would go off. But we're a long ways from there. So is there still a Fed put? Yes. I just don't think we're anywhere close to it. But here we are taking a look at these charts, Dan, and I'll say this. You know, it's right here at these levels, and I think you would agree with this. We're at a bit of a coin flip level. Yeah. You know, I still think 3750 is in the cards. But, you know, you get some you get some, I don't know, positive news, Russia, Ukraine. I mean, any possible positive news on the margins. And you could see that six, seven percent rally, which we've seen a number of times over the last month, month and a half. I happen to think that rally should be sold. 
but I do think 37.50 is inevitable, and I do think that overshoot is also inevitable to the downside. Yeah, I think your point about being a coin flip is pretty interesting with the S&P at 39.50. You see that breakdown level at 4,200 from just, I don't know, a month or so ago. And then to the downside, you take 250 off the current level, you get to your 3,700 here. So we've just kind of drawn some you know technical resistance levels and some support levels to the downside. Yeah, are we due for a 5, 6, 7% rally? Sure. I mean, Carter was talking about it on Monday. Monday and the conditions seem right. I think I saw an email from Worth Charting suggesting the same in the S&P 500, and we might be past some of that bad fundamental news. Let's see how the market reacts in an hour or so to whatever the Fed has to say. I think that will be um, really important. But the other thing, you know, again, you and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday, Guy, with yields coming in. We had that brief period where the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield was above 3%. I have a multi-year chart going back to the start of 2019. You see us kind of below that. We almost kissed the 50 50-day moving average. Carter's 150-day moving average is all the way down there, you know, just above 2%. Mm-hmm. And you and I were talking, okay, would it be good for stocks if we saw yields come in fairly quickly? I don't know. Yesterday, you said probably not because the reasons that yields would be coming in would be a flight to quality. What does this chart say to you? And where do you think technically some people that are looking at yields might think, I guess a healthy pullback would be, you know what I mean? Where it's not going to cause stock market investors to go crazy because we have some crazy growth fear, but that might be good for valuations. Yeah, I think we're there, to be honest with you. I think sort of this somewhere between 265 and 270-ish is sort of the level where I think that's the healthy pullback. I mean, think about it. We're 40, 50 basis points away from that recent high. I mean, it's the moves, again, just to belabor the point that I've been belaboring for months now, the moves are just ridiculous. It's almost laughable how volatile the bond market is. And again, an instrument or security, whatever you want to call it, that should not be nearly as volatile as it is. And I'll say again, I just again think it's just a matter of time before that volatility finds its way into the equity market. To a certain extent, it's beginning to happen. With that said, I think we're there in terms of where's a reasonable pullback. Now, if the market, broader market, continues to sell off in the manner in which I think it will over time, then you could see somewhere between two and a quarter and two and a half percent, which most people would view as bullish. I don't, because I think what's going to wind up happening if we do that, the yield curve will become inverted yet again. A yield curve which was inverted in terms of two yeah. tens a couple months ago, which blew out to about 45 basis points, now seemingly coming in again. And five tens is basically trading at, at flat, at par, as they say. So a lot of weird things going on here. But this all makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm not trying to be glib at all. It just yeah. makes sense to me in terms of what we've been seeing. Well, listen, you and I have been just a, calling it like we're seeing it. Sometimes we sound a bit downbeat here. I, every once in a while, we play this game, what could go right? Okay, you just tried to do that a little bit with what could cause an S&P pop here. I think it's interesting to keep an eye on you know, the, the inflation expectations here. You and I are not economists, but I think it's important inputs here. This is Elisa Abramovitz from Bloomberg. She posted a chart and a tweet this morning saying longer-term inflation expectations keep sinking from recent peaks with a measure of expected inflation over the next five to 10 years sinking to the lowest since March. Five to 10 years, long period of time. Yeah. I think some people would say, keep an eye on those kind of shorter term ones because some of the issues that we have with supply chains, you know, war in Europe, maybe some stuff going on, lockdowns in, in, in China are the things that are going to keep inflation elevated. But it's important to keep an eye on this because if the Fed, let's say they started tucking tough after changing their core or their tune about inflation in November, let's just say some of these things, you know, we're seeing, you know, commentary out a retailer's guy that are suggesting that maybe some of this commentary is working a little bit. 
Well, yeah, I guess. If what you're saying is they've been able to jawbone down inflation expectations, yeah, I guess. But, you know, they're doing it at levels which I don't think they ever in their wildest imagination thought we would get to. So, I mean, it really comes down yeah. to, you know, glass half full, glass half empty type of thing. And you know sort of why I come down on it. And yeah, maybe inflation expectations are coming down over five to 10 years. And respectfully, I'm not trying to be a jerk here, but yeah. five to 10 years is not really the time frame with, with which we discuss things. You know, we're more, not five or 10 minutes, but we're looking at things over the course of a much shorter period of time. And I think these inflation expectations are going to remain. By the way, for you playing our home game out there, the bond market is suggesting that the Fed actually lowers rates in the back half of next year. So a lot of this you know, the market is, I think it's basically acknowledging all along. Five to 10 years to me is, is a tough one. Quickly, Dan, we have a question, and I'm, I'm sure you're equipped to answer it. I know you are. William asks, you know, what are the quality stocks you want to buy at the lows that we anticipate? Quickly, I'll just chime in. I think you want to sort of pick five names across a spectrum of industries. I would pick a bank, and the bank that I would pick, we talk about it. I think JP Morgan, and we talked about the reasons why a couple of weeks ago. I'd try to throw a retailer in there. Definitely a tech name. Pick one of the FANG stocks and maybe a software stock because given what's going on in the world, that seems to be where the world is headed. Then try to pick one of your you know, high flyers that have come down a significant amount. That's how I would look at it. You know, I don't want to play stock market here, but I would try to bucket it a little bit, Dan. Yeah, I do want to play stock market. That's the game that I play, Mofa. You know, so oh, so here's here's what I was gonna say. That was close. <laughs> by the way, nice I, haircut. By the way, you know what? I just realized. I think it's kind of poofy. This is my first kind of look at it. I don't know. Diaz said she liked it, but we'll see. You know, listen. One of the ways I'm doing it is I just keep buying little by little the QQQ, right? So we know the top six names make up nearly 45 percent of the weight of that index. I want to own those things on the way in. I don't want to pick anyone in particular right now until I think they're way overdone. And I don't think they're way overdone, but you also have dozens of stocks that are down 50, 60, 70% in that index. So that's one way I'm doing it. But then, you know, yesterday I bought a little snap and the afternoon was down 42%. I think that there's a valuation case to be made, not really like a great valuation case, but there's a scarcity valuation on this stock with a $23 billion enterprise value. And then lastly, PayPal, which not only round tripped its pre-pandemic high, it also got back to its pre-pandemic low. That's one to me that looks interesting. All right, guy, let's quickly talk about Snapchat here though, because you know, you've been talking about some of these names, just how unnatural it is to have a 40% gap. And we've had plenty of these over the last few weeks with earnings to talk about here. The stock is now down 85% or was at its lows yesterday from its all-time highs less than a year ago, guy. Okay. So I said, I just bought a little bit and I have a thought process here. We can go through it at a later date. I think that gap looks like it wants to be filled at some point when things kind of chill out a little bit. Thoughts on that. And then lastly, I'll just add this is that a lot of names that were down in sympathy with Snap yesterday are bouncing today. Amanda has um, a, a list of some of these things. I think it's interesting as we're speaking, Google is down 1.2%, Apple is down 1.1%, and Microsoft is down a quarter of a percent. And when I look at that, I say to myself, they're still selling the mega caps that are not down 40 or 50%, but they are maybe done or close to done and selling some of the smaller names that have gotten really blown up. And that's going to lead me to a question in a second. I'll address Snap. We talked about it on Fast Money last night. You did as well. One of the things that I said, you know, you're now talking about a stock that, look, I think Snap is going to do $7 billion-ish in revenues next year. Let's just cut that by a billion or dollars or so. Right now, they're trading at about three-ish times revenues. That's not a ridiculous amount. 
And quite frankly, the valuation is about as compelling as it's been in a while. And this is a period of time where they're struggling. They won't always struggle. And I think the point yeah. you made last night was in the years to come, this is going to be a formidable brand. I agree with that. So I do think you can start dipping here. And I do think that gap will be filled to the upside. But in terms of the question that I have, and this sort of lends itself to what you just said about Apple and Microsoft, one of the viewers is saying, I have puts in Apple, Tesla, and Microsoft, and they're doing very well. The expiration is July 15th. Should I close them out? I'll quickly answer that. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily close them out, but I would definitely be taking some money off the table. You know, if you're going to hold these things to expiration, Dan knows as well as I do. I mean, there's a very good chance that you see these things expire worthless, and you've seen it happen a number of times over and over again over the years. The best thing to do is trade the stock, trade the security, trade the option. Don't let it trade you. So if you have some money on the table here, pare some of that risk down and live to fight another day. Thoughts, Dan? Yeah, there's two strategies to adjust winning options trades that I think make a lot of sense. One would be if you're long, let's say in this case, an outright put in Apple, and now that stock is in the money, right? You have gains. I mean, oftentimes what I do is that when I have a double on a position, I might take half off. I'm playing with the house's money. I might also roll that strike down a bit and use some of the proceeds, some of the gains to kind of buy a lower strike put. Or I might sell a lower strike put against the long put that I have and make a put spread. And that is basically taking in some premium and reducing the premium that I have at risk or kind of locking in a portion of the gain. So rolling down, rolling down and out and spreading are all three great strategies. And then the other one is taking half off if you have more than a double. Agreed. I think that's exactly right. Again, trade the stock, trade the security, trade the option. Don't let it trade you. But we looked at the S&P. Let's take a look at the NASDAQ quickly before we bring in CBW. Because again, it's going to look very similar as what we just talked about. I do think those green lines, those parallel lines that you've drawn now for quite some time, that past resistance, subsequent levels we traded around, we will visit that at some point. The question is, how do we get there? Do we get there with a 6 or 7% bounce first, yeah. or do we make a straight line? I happen to think we're going to get a little bit of a bounce here, but I do think it's inevitable that we get there. You trade around that as you see fit, but we've been pretty steadfast to use the word that Dan used before in our views, and that's probably been the correct way to be, Dan. Yeah, and I'll just say this. You know, I just mentioned the underperformance of Microsoft, Apple, and Google today, and I think one of the major points there is I think investors are coming around to the thought that we're going to have at least one or two disappointments out of those three names when we get their earnings, their Q2 earnings in July or late July or so. So maybe you're seeing people just kind of prune those names. And I agree with you. Could we see a bounce, you know, back into that kind of resistance level? Maybe it's towards that breakdown level. But I think we're seeing lots of very high quality names round trip their entire move from the pre-pandemic highs. I see no reason why the NASDAQ 100 will not do that, especially if a couple of those big names were to disappoint. All right, let's do it, guy. It is go time. I love this. I know people tune in for you, Dan. I'm quite certain they don't tune in for me, but I am with 100% certainty aware that people tune in Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays for EY from SoFi, but Mondays and Wednesday for the gentleman we're bringing on. Incredibly handsome, brilliant mind, Carter Braxton Worth. How are you today, CBW? The three of us, but here's Carter coming in now. How are you, Carter? A gentleman, I got handsome, brilliant. This is all great stuff. Thank you for all that. You know, I guess just what you were saying when someone said five minutes and you said, well, we're not five minutes and we're not five years, right? I mean, it's all about who you are in the market. That's the main thing. You got to know who you are and what your timeframes are. We all have different skill sets and, and different approaches. It's when you start changing your stripes in life or in the market and you 
one day this, then that, that's never going to work. And so on a short-term basis, sequencing calls for some sort of bounce. Things are extreme and we're seeing it. I mean, you know, as you were mentioning, Dix, I mean, Dix was down 12%, 11%, at one point now it's up 10, hard game. But the point is when you start getting disastrous numbers and yet, Look what's happening in certain names. We already heard from Target. We already heard from you know Walmart, biggest one-day drop since 1987. Amazon's out of the way. It's compressed. You've got a lot of lot of lot of hits, and it seems like sequencing, if you're on the shorter term side, well, is up, not down. Carter, what do you make of just that last conversation we had about NASDAQ? Some of the, the biggest, the three biggest names, you know what they are, right? Underperforming on a day like today. And again, one day, five minutes, whatever the sequence is, not that important in the grand scheme of things. But I'm just curious what your take is on that sort of price action, because what you just mentioned with Dix, and we're going to get into retail in a minute here, you know, you're seeing that all those internet names that were down in sympathy with Snap today are all bouncing sharply, but the biggest names in the NASDAQ are acting poorly. Right. And so there's so many ways to interpret it because in a way they're defensive and people are maybe trying to do something more speculative by trading things that have more bounce potential. At the end of the day, the question is, is the great run that is the NASDAQ 100? We know, again, just repeating myself, but this index performed 13 consecutive years in a row, positive total return. No index has ever done it. And it is, it's the best performing bar none of any index since its inception compared to any other. And so the thing that led us on the way up is now the thing that's struggling as the market is struggling. And it's many ways what has cracked the market. It's probably not that interesting a space. My hunch is also to try to play for bounces in some of these names because the whole thing feels a bit extreme. Well, let's take a look at Dick Sporting Goods. DKS is a symbol there. You mentioned it. The, the numbers were disaster. The inventory build was akin to what we saw out of Walmart, which was catastrophic. I mean, the initial reaction was to whack it. And then the knee jerk has been exactly what you just talked about. My sense is, and you probably agree with this, they took so much out of this stock on the back of those retailers leading up to this number that the first move was lower. And it's a classic, you know, sell the rumor, buy the news type of thing. And I think that's what you're seeing here. That's right. I mean, first of all, we have just true capitulation. If you look at the definition historically, what a capitulation day is, it really has four critical data points. One, the instrument in question it has been a long and protracted downtrend. We can check that box for Dex. Two, on the day in question, there's yet shocking new weakness. It opens up and you're like, oh my God. Three, it starts to reverse intraday. And four, closes at or near the high or even positive on record volume. Well, guess what? It's traded 32 million shares. There are only 58 million in the float and it's only one o'clock. The whole float's going to turn over. This sets of bottom. Yeah, quickly, because I know Dan has a quick, we're going to go to the next one, but I just want to bring this up. I'm glad you mentioned volume because I talk about it all the time. This is a stock that typically trades 2 million shares a day to Carter's points, already traded 32, probably on its way to 50-ish. You can do the math. That is volume capitulation. Dan, over to you. Yeah, you know, listen, when we were kind of figuring out what are some interesting things, topics, sectors to kind of key on today, I mean, the Dix reversal was obviously really interesting, especially in light of what we heard last week from some major retailers. So we really wanted to get your technical setup here because, you know, some of these things, the housing-related ones, the RH, I mean, the decline that we've seen in that one over the last few months. I mean, there have been, like you just mentioned, the biggest one-day drops in some of the biggest retailers – 
since 1987. So how is this all shaking out? There's a lot of bad news in there. Like you said, sentiment's really bad. I think a lot of investors or strategists or economists think the U.S. consumer is only going to get worse from here. Have retailers discounted a bunch of that negative sentiment? Right. So it's terrible. I mean, hard stop. The question is, does the sequence in this terrible circumstance, this terrible chart, if you looked at any of them, does it call for a bounce? And even the worst things, General Motors, which has been out of business, or United Airlines, I mean, Enron, WorldCom, they all have counter trend moves. So let's say that the XRT, the ETF that covers all retail equal weighted is going to zero, which it's not. You get counter trend moves. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're looking at. And I'd rather be long than short playing for bounce. Oh, look, here's, a, here's an XRT chart. This is a weekly chart. No lines, no judgments. Put in a line here. And what we know is, does it have to? And will it ultimately? Sure. Maybe go back to its pre-pandemic, a lot of support there. Russell 2000, for instance, has already done that. But the here and now, I think, is up, not down. Let's look at some other iterations. So that's a well-defined channel in which we've been in. And then if we sort of do the next one, you'll see a 300% move off the low, a 44% give back from the high. Let's keep going, add some more. Well, there's the line. Do we have to get down there? I think we probably do. But here and now, do we play for the bounce? Let's zero in. And what we know is that this is the channel that we saw on that longer term chart. And I think you can put in an arrow here. And the arrow would suggest that we're going to we're going to move towards the top. So look at the sequencing. The next one will show you the, the ups and downs. So you've had one, two, three, four distinct drawdowns, 15 plus or minus percent and three distinct counter trend rallies. Well, that arrow is drawn there for a reason. That's what I think is coming, a counter trend rally. Where might that go? Look at the next one. The arrow is right to the channel. Let's play it long. I tell you something, Dan and I host this along with you, but so often I find myself to be a viewer as well. And I love what you did there. I mean, you spelled it out from beginning to end. You showed what we've done and where we're going. And I happen to agree with you. You take the emotion out of it and you just show things the way they are. And it's fascinating. I think you're spot on. And that should say it's th- theoretically mean we see a pretty significant bounce, Walmart, Target, and some of these ancillary plays. So good for you. And I think what you're saying is, look, worst isn't over yet. But in terms of the stock, we've seen these bounces before in a downtrend and we're on the verge of it again. That's it. And, and again, it's who you are. If you're a short-term player, let's play it. If one says, listen, I'm worried about the recession that's coming and I think it's going to get worse. And this is a terrible chart. It is. It's down into the right. Okay. That's a different time frame. Then you stay the course, yeah. keep keep reducing it, be short. Here and now, buy, sell, hold, I'm a buyer. Yeah, this one makes it, this is interesting just because the sentiment's so bad here. But if you were to maybe kind of get back up towards that, you know, upper end of the downtrend, maybe it might make sense to take that yep. trade off and then kind of digest some of the fundamental news that we're going to get or some of the data on the consumer. That's awesome. All right, listen, Carter, one last one before we let you go. We got to kind of highlight something that I know you did it on Fast Money. I think you mentioned it on Market Call. This was almost two and a half, three weeks ago. We were talking about Tesla. I got a little thing for Tesla. I don't have a position in it. I do have have an issue with the CEO and all the shenanigans with Twitter. And it's all kind of related. I'm not a big fan of his Twitter feed either. But a few weeks ago, you drew a line, as you do. You probably said the line drew itself in a way. You made a judgment about which way you thought it was going to go. It went there. Just update us a little bit here yeah. because, you know, I, I know that you're, you like the idea of playing the market for a bounce. Does a name like this that now, I think at its lows yesterday, was down 50% from last year's highs? Yeah, I think it's the same circumstance. So the line was, uh, the bet was, right, that we break trend. Uh, yeah. We did. Okay, we got a nice 20% plus sell-off. At this point, I think you 
certainly would cover a short and play for the bounce. And it's really the same judgment or thinking or sequencing in the XRT. So if you look at a next chart, this down, that's a very clear little channel. And we can zero in on that and do the short term. And you'll see in the next iteration that that channel is very precise. And I think we go to at minimum to the upper band. And so in the short term chart, you'll yeah. see that there is the prospect. There it is. That's just the same thing. Let's go back and forth. I go back to the last one. That's it in context. Now let's zoom in. Here it is, the here and now. Draw the arrow. Yeah. Now the arrow, it, it implies just at least as a trade, that's 10%. And you'll see it here on the chart. It goes up. Does that have to happen? No. That's my bet. Yeah. Make your bets. Well, one, one thing is really interesting. Sorry, Dan, real hey, quick. Hey, there are a lot of people watching that were just they're staring at their card saying, I can't believe Carter didn't say toggle. Well, I'll say it for you. Toggle. So there, right. fill out your big right. Please you got that. You know, one of the things I was talking to Danny Moses, who who is a co-host of, you know, a guy and me on, on the tape. It drops every Friday mornings in your podcast stores, people. So check it out. And he's a good friend of yours, Carter. Yep. You guys go back a couple decades. You know, Danny has been short and he's laid out this this bear case pretty efficiently. He did say to me this morning, he thinks there is a tape bomb that comes out if there's some kind of adjustment let's say elon musk gets out of this twitter bid so he's not on the hook right for all of that yeah. stock that he had to pledge you're going to get a rally in this yeah. in this stock and that could be you know a headline that could cause that sort of rally i just think it's important to kind of again you know we, we've been kind of doom and gloom on some stuff but it's important to know how things could go the other way too so listen right. bud we really appreciate your work we love the yeah. opportunity to catch up on the worth charting if you want more of carter's worth charting where do we get it guy you get it. At, I mean, worthcharting.com. Where else would right. you Where freaking go? Yeah. Or just right. sort of yell out your window if you're in the city. I mean, Carter yeah, hears like everything. Rocky Balboa. That's right. Adrian! <laughs> Actually, that's when he yells at the priest. Father, you want to say a prayer? I mean, whatever. That's for another show, I guess. Carter, dig you. I know there you were locked into the Ranger game last night. I know you will be tomorrow night as well. Dan. Back to me. Thanks, Carter. All right, let's let's talk. Here, here, this is a really important one, guy. I think that comes after the close today. Yeah, it's Nvidia, and one of the reasons why it's important that this is a semiconductor stock with a four hundred billion dollar market cap, right? So it's like the largest one out there. It still trades. If you look at this multiple here, still trades at about 28 times earnings, about 11, 12 times sales. But here's the thing, expected growth guy for this year, we're expecting in the current fiscal year, 28% EPS growth and 28% sales growth. So on a PE to growth seems kind of fair here. Mm -hmm. So I guess the question is, what are these guys going to be able to put up, right? And what are investors willing to pay for that expected growth? If they ratchet it down just a little bit, is that not the end of the world? The stock's been cut in half, right, guys, since it's a high as last year. Give me your thoughts here, because the implied move in the options market, about 10%. You see this chart really quickly. It's come back to a level. I think you would say that's probably support. But it also looks like a massive head and shoulders top, right, with that support line being important, an important next line give me your 411 on this one man. i think you play it for a bounce from here you know we've been talking about playing things for a bounce since we started at 1 p.m and i think this is when you play for a bounce as well you know we talked about zoom i want to say two days ago playing for a bounce and i got to tell you something from the numbers that i saw at least on the headline numbers i thought the bounce would be a little more significant than it was it wasn't but you know it didn't collapse either and i think that's a similar setup here you know short of something disastrous which I don't think is going to necessarily happen, reading some of the tea leaves from some of these other semi-names. You know, I think its stock can bounce 
10 to 12% to the upside. So, you know, yeah. if you have the temerity to do such in, in this environment, I think you can play it for a bounce. Now, you mentioned $400 billion market cap. Now, this was a name that people were talking about the next to the trillion dollar club in the fall. I mean, just think about that, how quickly the world has changed. I just bring that up just for context. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah. So just keep things in, in perspective here, folks. But in terms of trading this thing here in earnings, I do think you can play it for that bounce. Well, you know what's really interesting, Guy, about this, and just say this in the last minute that we have, is like, you know, this is a company that I think by all accounts, most tech investors think has a great management. They've actually moved into some really important businesses. They've gained tons of share over the last five, seven years against what were behemoth competitors a very long time ago. They've done some M&A. So they've been executing very well in a very difficult environment. If they continue to do so, then they deserve to have a premium multiple. You would agree with that, right? I would agree with that. What's interesting, though, is that the stock has been cut in half, not... You know, despite of all the stuff that they've been doing a good job on, and that just speaks to the sort of revaluation that we've had of gross stocks. And we're seeing it, you know, on very small names, but we're also seeing it on big, important names, too. Well, you know, these things get, again, it's for emphasis. When everything's going higher the way it was, people just assume, well, the fundamentals are intact and this is natural. It makes a lot of sense. And then things go down in the same type of way, a little more in terms of a little bit more precipitous and they go higher. People automatically think it's on the, on the back of some sort of panic selling. It's not. I mean, this is just the market recalibrating. I bring that up because we've been conditioned to believe if things are going higher, they're going higher for the right reasons. And if things are going long, lower, yeah. it's probably because people are panicking out. And that's just not factual. Yeah, matter of fact. There you go, guy. All right, man. That was a lot of fun. You know, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm not going to be here. I'm leaving you alone with EY from SoFi. Is that a smart? Oh, you remember the last time that that happened. That was, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. And that got just off the hook as they, I mean, it was crazy. So the people better tune in. all kinds of shit. I mean, yeah. Yeah, people people should tune in. I know, listen, am I allowed to say where you're going or is it like sealed? No, no. I mean, it's it's sealed. I mean, I'm going I'm going to London, but you know, I mean, I'm going to have a nice trip with my wife. How's that? Okay. That's Mazel Tov. My people say enjoy yeah. that. It's wonderful this time of the year. I encourage you to go to Babendum in the Michelin building. It's a wonderful Michelin restaurant, uh, four star, I believe, off the Fulham Road. That's true. And there's a great bar in the Duke's Hotel for those playing our home games. So Dan. <laughs> That's what I give to you. I, I give right. you nothing but that, and I give you nothing but love. I'll be back tomorrow with EY from SoFi at 1 p.m., but that's it for today's market call. Swizz here, Dan there. Thanks, CBW. Thanks, our sponsor, FactSet. Thanks to good people at Open Exchange. They power us. I'm powered because my team now is in the best of three series yeah, against are. the Carolina Hurricane, and I feel good about things. See you later, people. See ya.